Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Uh, I want to thank you all for your patience. This is I'm I'm back now. I've been out for ten days with COVID, so my apologies that we didn't record a show last last week. Uh, but I'm back with the guys, and <clears throat> uh, I'd like to say it's it's good to be back. I'm still not hundred um, percent. You probably hear it in my voice. I've got a kind of a still got a cough, and I've got these headaches. But other than that, I'm alive, so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for that. You'll have to put yeah. COVID down as a co-host for this episode. Yeah, there's four of us today on the on the show. There's this myself, Bob, Justin, and COVID, which is no. But I'm testing negative. I am testing negative. I, I tested positive for about eight days. Then, I'm uh, wearing a, I'm wearing a mask and goggles just because I don't I don't want to get COVID through my microphone <laughs> through my headphones. It, from it, honestly, you 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 kid, but it's that. I think it's that. Infectious. It's that contagious, like, yeah. That well, contagious. I'm going to find Herschel Walker's magic mist, and I'll walk through that, and I'll be fine. Yeah, honestly, good luck with that. Um, I, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but that has been this has been one of the hardest sort of eight ten days I've ever had, it, like in my entire life. Wow, I, I would say that I'm, I'm like. Uh, I'm pretty um, pretty beaten down by that thing. It, it, I just I've had a crippling headache. So I sent an email out. I sent a news newsletter out just with an update to everyone, uh, apologising for being AWOL. But um, yeah, I've had crippling headaches for. I had it for about eight nine days in a row. Oh my god! Of like nonstop migraines, uh, like all day, all night. Uh, uh, along with like the temperature and all that kind of stuff. That was that was the the, the least of it. Um, but it got, yeah, it got kind of like, I was starting to get kind of worried about five days ago. I was like genuinely thinking like, I don't know if I'm not sure how much more I can take of this, that this pain is, is way too much. Um, but thankfully it started, uh, subsiding. So I'm, I'm, I'm back. Um, it's important to point out that you're vaccinated and annoyingly in good health. Like yeah, you're annoyingly yeah. fit and in good health. <laughs> Not that uh, I pay attention or I'm jealous or anything like that, but yes, you're annoyingly good health, and yet you still had to deal with this. Like you were still that messed up for over a week. Seriously, because I, I got to be honest, I kind of just haven't really been COVID conscious for the last few months because it's like, okay, Omicron is so contagious and it's spreading everywhere, um, and I just most people just are not paying any attention to this, so. I think the time to pay attention to this stuff was like a year ago when we could have made a difference and we've kind of dropped the ball on it. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm just, I've been kind of like, okay, well look like this really, I don't think there's much we can do about this anymore. And I can't live like a hermit for, for any longer. Um, it's just been too difficult. 
So, so given the choice, would you accept the headaches and uh, two weeks of misery versus uh, <laughs> versus the alternative, which would have been, you know, uh, masking and having, yeah. It's, you know what? It's, it's difficult. It's di- and I, st- I still mask up. If people want me to mask up, I'll mask up. It's, <clears throat> I, have no, I have no problem with it. But Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I'm, a, not, it, I'm not passing any judgment here. I'm just saying that uh, given the choice between the two, I mean, do you feel do you still feel vindicated in saying, OK, you know what? I'm, I'm done with uh, uh, dealing with those uh, restrictions, those protocols, because, you know, I want to get back to uh, normal life. But, you know, between those two things, would you still do the same thing again? You know what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm now. It, <clears throat> I've been. It, it kicked my ass. That thing really beat me up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I've not been beaten down like that for a long time. Um, that, that I can remember. Um, it, it, you know, at least in recent in recent memory. So you know what? I <clears throat> I really don't know. Like right yeah, now, yeah. I I was fairly like you know I'd heard that Omicron was 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 much milder. Like I know several family members have had it and they've been fine. Uh, so I wasn't particularly worried about Omicron. You know, that was my, mm-hmm. so, but having just had it, I don't know. I, I think it's a personal <laughs> thing, you know, like the rest of my family were hit hard, uh, you know, early on, but they got better much faster than I did. I, I suffered, I've, I've suffered a lot more. Um, yeah. So it's very sort of specific to me, maybe. Like I already get migraines and I have fibromyalgia already. So I don't know, you know, that, it's it's a good question, and I I can't honestly say right now like where I'm at. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's it's sh- it's definitely shaken me like that 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 it's really um, made me sit down and real like wow that okay yeah that COVID can be is can be really really nasty even this milder variant so called milder variant yeah so called I think so called is underscored there yeah 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 exactly exactly so I would say to anybody listening I'm not telling anybody what to do with themselves I would I would just say get vaccinated at the very least get vaccinated because it, like that was with the vaccine I I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like had I not been vaccinated. Yeah. You know, and if, as soon as they have an Omicron specific um, vaccine, which I think is coming out, I'm going to take yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah. We just got yeah. news about that yesterday. Yeah. I'm going to take it. Get, sign me up. I'll be the first in line for that because I do not want <laughs> There's other variants of that going around still. Yes. I do not. I do not want this, that again. And I do not wish that on, 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 I would say anybody. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Uh, it is pretty bad. Uh, the key to all of this, I think, um, is the fact that two years ago, you know, two years ago, right about now, we dropped the ball. That's when the ball was dropped. And it wasn't dropped necessarily as much as Donald Trump said to drop it. And that, you know, the president from the it, White House. Spiked it. <laughs> yeah, he spiked it. Donald Trump is the centerpiece of why you got COVID, Ben, and why so many others uh, got COVID and why. Uh, uh, more than a million Americans have died from COVID because there was a chance we could have done this in those early months. We could have defeated this pandemic, at least in the United States. But Donald Trump was unwilling to do that. He prioritized his presidency over the health and safety of the American people. And that's one of many crimes that I hope we discuss today. Yeah, I, I you know what, I, I 100% agree with that, Bob. I 100% agree that, that, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I haven't been like COVID 
conscious, like really in, in recent times is because I did everything. I did everything I could early on. You know, I masked up. I got the vaccine as soon as I could. I didn't see my family for, for months. We we isolated from my our family like that 20 minutes away, who were 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I didn't see them for months, like stuck inside with a two-year-old. We were inside with a two-year-old yeah. day in, day out for almost a year with no childcare, with no support, with no nothing. Um, Amazing. And, and <clears throat> you know, I saw what I did all of that. And I, you know, it's the time to do it was back then. Right, but fifty percent of the country couldn't be bothered. So, I, I think what what keeps me going, what keeps me, and I, I've gone back to, I would say, I would estimate, I've gone back to 85 percent of normal life. There are certain mm. things that I still do. I still put them on a mask when I go into uh, stores and public places. But beyond that, I'm basically living my life. Uh, my mm. my gym routine is a little bit different. Suffice to say, the reason I'm bringing this up is a lot of what I'm still doing as far as precautions is it's almost directly due to all of the previous sacrifice. Like at this point, I don't want to go, I don't want to have gone through all of that sacrifice for so long, uh, only to get it now. You know what I mean? So now it's like, to me, it's like a competition between me and COVID, (laughs) you know, I gotta keep, I gotta keep up the fight. Otherwise it's like, well, why did I bother before? Right. 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 Yeah, I think it's a tough one. I, I think it's really difficult, and I'm not. I I don't really judge. I I've stopped judging people so much on what they do about COVID right now. Like I I sort of I get it. Like the psychological impact of it is it's quite it's quite extreme. Uh, but I still, you know, if you don't have a vaccine, like I st- I think you're genuinely. I think you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I'll say. Like if, if you don't have a vaccine, like you you know seriously, yeah, that's, that's really not good. But anyhow, anyhow, um, sorry to bang on about that. Uh, I, it's been nice to talk about it, to share it with with, with people. It uh, makes me feel a little bit better somehow. I don't know why I talk talking about it, because it was so extreme. So um, any, anyhow. Uh, yeah, I well, hope- that's, that's the great thing about the internet, is I think when things like this happen to people, we get a greater sense of solidarity. Uh, we don't feel so alone dealing with uh, ailments and sickness and injuries and things like that. I think that's uh, one of the many upsides of uh, social media. Yeah. I say this as someone who's very critical of social media. No, I've had a lot of like people, you know, well wishes and stuff like that, and people wrote some nice, really nice messages. I got like, emails from banter readers and uh, and th- things like that, and uh, messages on on the article that I wrote as well, which was really nice. So a big thanks to everybody as well. That was it was very much appreciated. I was it was kind of a, a bit of a dark time, so um, yeah, it was it was really kind. Um, but anyhow, we have bigger news than my COVID. I'm still here, so it's not really that big news. Uh, <laughs> we the January sixth hearing. So we are yeah, recording this. We are recording this on Friday the tenth. Uh, the hearings were yesterday, and we're going to spend most of the show talking about that. In fact, yeah, that's pretty much it. This was one of the most uh, as- astonishing bits of television, bits of theatre. I, I've ever seen like yeah, yeah. I, you know I know it's it's not really theatre right but it was it that's what it was it was just utterly gripping um, mm-hmm. the the way that they the way that this um, hearing his sort of unfolding and the footage that they had and the the uh, the eyewitnesses and uh, you know just the sort of 
the the enormity of the event and the the astonishing amount of evidence that they have uh, that this was planned um, <clears throat> from the very highest levels. Uh, it was then Trump unequivocally criminal behavior, behavior all the way up to the top. Like, oh yeah, just yeah. astonishing. I mean, I sat with my, I was my jaw kind of hit the floor while I was watching it. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, what did you got? How? What was your reaction to it, guys? I want to, I want to hear what you, what you thought when while watching well, this. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Justin. All right, I, I didn't get to watch it last night because last night um, Jordan and Lila had their graduation ceremony, so we were a little preoccupied. Um, that was fun. Yay, they're now high schoolers. But um, I've been reading about it all morning um, and listening to clips from it, and there was stuff in there. I'm so, like I was said before, under, like we were talking about it before the show started. I am so thankful that they had informa- new information, that they didn't do what they did with the Mueller report where everything was just leaked out in dribs and drabs, dribs and drabs. And by the time the report came out, everyone was like, well, we already know all of this. You already told us all of this in bits and pieces. It's like they've been dri- they've been leaking out information. Well, not leaking. It's not a leak if it's intentional. But <laughs> they've been dripping out information to the press. And then they still had a whole bunch of new information um, last night and that, I mean, one of the things that I wasn't aware of and was that the Proud Boys were already at the Capitol getting ready to do this when the mob showed up, mm-hmm. which means they knew there was going to be a mob showing up that was going to help them attack the Capitol because otherwise they could have charged in and the police would have just beaten the snot out of them. They would have been badly outnumbered by, by the Capitol Police. So they had to have that mob. And they knew the mob was going to be there. And the only reason that you would send the mob is if you knew someone was going to get ready to attack the Capitol for you, which means it was coordinated on both sides, right? You don't you don't prepare to attack the Capitol no, without a mob unless you know it's coming. And you don't prepare a mob unless you know that someone's actually going to be there doing what you need specifically, right? So they were the tip of the spear. And the other side knew they're they're waiting for us, and they sent them there explicitly to do what they were doing. I think and we're I, also going to learn too that there was uh, some level of coordination between the White House and the Proud Boys. I think that is eventually going to come out. In fact, Benny Thompson was kind of previewing that with Jake Tapper last night. Yeah, if they have those, if they have those emails or um, text messages, or because I'm because sh- these are the stupidest criminals ever. They just, you know, it's not even stupid. <laughs> right? They just assumed they were going to get away with it, and therefore. Who cares? They could have all we can. We we they actually had a fucking documentary filmmaker with them because they thought we should document our glorious overtaking of the United States, and they thought this would be something for the history books. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like think think of the hubris involved in that. Yeah, yeah, hubris, stupidity. I I don't know what it is, but. I have heard, and I can't really go into too many details. This is going to sound kind of slightly, slightly conspiratorial, but please bear with me. But I have heard from a fairly reputable source of mine that they do have uh, those that that kind of evidence, and that that's wow. what they're going to. Yeah, so I, I have heard this. Uh, I, I can't go into too many details about it because um, it's quite sensitive. Um, and take already let there be tapes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for for what it's worth, yeah, I the, the source I have I think is quite is is pretty solid as well, and has been proven right on a number of occasions. Um, so yeah, I 
I hope that they do. You know, look, the the thing is about this the, these hearings is that that really it has to move the needle some some way. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be some sort of public reaction to this, where the the case the, it's just so overwhelming. The evidence is so overwhelming that you know Merrick Garland has absolutely no choice but to start to do have a, a, a very serious criminal investigation at the highest level. Right. Yeah, if they give us a well, you know, we can't really go after sitting uh, representatives and sitting congresspeople and sitting senators. That's just bullshit. That's right. bullshit. These, I mean, there's that their whole excuse about why they couldn't do anything to Trump wasn't really a good one. But that's the only person it applied to when he was president. Right. There's nothing else in the DOJ that says you can't arrest a senator for committing a crime. Yeah, and then what's the point of what I, I don't really understand if the if the political class is completely immune from criminal proceedings, from criminal investigation, then I, I don't really. Then get. What's the point? What are we yeah, doing yeah, here? Yeah. yeah what what, exa- what exactly? What's are the we rule doing? of law even mean at that point? Yeah. Yeah, there there has to be charges against Trump and uh, his inner circle people for all of this. It, it can't just be the foot soldiers. It can't just be the Proud Boys. This has to, and and we saw so much evidence of that last night. Uh, and that was, was, you know, that first hour especially. Uh, the second hour was uh, almost equally as compelling, but that first hour uh, laid out the case against Donald Trump. That was like a criminal prosecution, or at least the very beginnings of a criminal prosecution against Donald Trump for his involvement in all of this. And what was intriguing to me was, yeah, some of the information that we heard last night uh, is information that we knew already. We knew, based on reporting, that Donald Trump was encouraging the hanging of Mike Pence or disappointed that Mike Pence was whisked away by Secret Service. And he said something along the lines of maybe he should be hanged. And what we heard last night in that context uh, from Liz Cheney was a direct quote rather than a paraphrase, which is what the original reporting was. I believe it was in the New York Times uh, a week ago. Mm. So that was significant. But I'm looking at this In fact, I was trying to observe everything last night through the perspective of someone who may not have heard any of that information before. You ever do this? Like you want to you play a song or show a video to a friend. And while you're showing it to that friend, you're kind of seeing it through their eyes for the first time. You're kind of superimposing yourself. So you kind of get a sense of what they may be experiencing as they listen to the song or watch the video. Well, that's kind of how I was looking at last night's proceedings, because we've all been following this. And while there was brand new information last night, uh, it was fascinating to see it through the perspective of people who had, and, and if I were a person who hadn't been following it, I would have been uh, even more flabbergasted than I already am, more blown away, more infuriated than I already was. So uh, it was just, it was so well constructed. And th- the thing I think that will continue to resonate is the fact that it's coming the, the the biggest bombshells the the most damning information that we saw last night had nothing to do with the democratic party it was right. uh, i mean benny thompson i think is a significantly powerful uh, chairman of the committee liz cheney did a fine job too it was it was the two of them tag teaming and uh 
it, so we saw so much of this coming from Liz Cheney, especially the questioning with Officer Edwards in the second hour. Uh, we saw testimony from Jared Kushner. We saw testimony from Ivanka Trump. We saw testimony from Bill Barr. That should lend so much credibility to that information. It's th- that's to me the the thing that's going to change minds, or as we as, as we've been saying, move the needle. That's what's going to move the needle. The fact that it's not partisan Democrats saying these things. It's not just a series of accusations. These are. <laughs> Un- unquestionable uh, clips of testimony, sworn testimony in front of witnesses, in front of cameras, from people inside Donald Trump's inner circle during that period of time. And that is, uh, I mean, I, an obvious observation here, but that is so immensely damning. And if the DOJ and the D.C. Uh, district, uh, the D.C. Uh, U.S. attorney is still like, I don't know. Well, that has to change their minds significantly. Yeah, um, there's one thing to keep in mind when it comes to the whole thing with Mike Pence and Trump was like hoping that something would happen to him. Remember, it's, it's Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi, and then it was Chuck Grassley was the next in line. And if Mike Pence and uh, Nancy Pelosi were removed, or even if just Mike Pence, because then... Um, Chuck Grassley uh, would have been presiding over the certification of the electoral college votes. Mm -hmm. And they were, he said on January 5th that he was going to be the one doing that, not Mike Pence. So they were very much expecting Mike Pence not to be there one way or the other in order for uh, Chuck Grassley to step in and do what Trump wanted, which is what, you know, which was reject a bunch of the, uh, the um the electoral the, the elector slates from different uh, from different states, and uh, that's what they were trying to do. And he was ready to step in and do that. Why they're not? Inv- I don't know if they're investigating that. I kind of hope they are. But that just goes to show you how coordinated this was. They wanted to remove Mike Pence so Chuck Grassley could step in because they knew Mike Pence wasn't going to do it. The thing that I can't get beyond is, well, there are many things that I'm grappling with right now. One of the things that uh, kept running through my mind, especially as they were playing the footage of the actual insurrection taking place, uh, was I, I, I can't. I can't believe how many of these guys have been suckered by this obvious con man. I say that every time I see a Donald Trump supporter, I was like, holy shit. How have you allowed yourself to become so deluded as to believe and support the word of this obvious flimflam artist? That was one of the things. Um, <laughs> so many different layers to, to all of this. I, I just I can't I can't imagine watching what we saw last night and saying it's oh, a nothing burger. It's just not. <laughs> it, there's in in the real world. <laughs> It is the farthest thing from a nothing burger. But uh, here's the thing. So much of what we saw. uh, Yeah. Well, here's the other aspect of all of this. So much of what we saw last night uh, was due, I would say, primarily to Donald Trump's pathological inability to accept rejection and failure. This comes down to Donald Trump refusing to admit that he lost and that it was his fault. I mean, he failed the nation. He failed his 
supporters. He failed his party. He failed the office of the presidency. So America rejected him. But given the choice between accepting that reality or plotting, you know, a, a conspiracy to commit a coup, a conspiracy to commit election fraud, uh, a conspiracy to invade and occupy the Capitol building to affect all of these things, he chose the coup <laughs> between saying, all right, I lost versus all right, we're going to take extreme measures to stop the peaceful transfer of power. He chose the latter thing. And it's it's it all boils down to that toxic positivity, the inability for Donald Trump to say, I failed, I lost, which every other president in the history of the United States who's lost an election has said and has uh, followed through with statesmanlike behavior, patriotic behavior, irrespective of party, irrespective of who that might have been. Uh, and Donald Trump refuses to to go down that road, the <laughs> same road as all these other presidents. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, that was a point that Liz Cheney made as well. Liz Cheney made that exact point that this guy is the first person yeah. to have to have not accepted the results of, 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 of an election to try to uh, subvert the democratic process. Like, and I thought that was powerful coming from Liz mm -hmm. Cheney. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe, you know, I was like texting a friend of mine during the hearing saying, I can't believe I'm cheering for Liz Cheney here. This is like, <laughs> like what, what I don't know, this is, we're living in a very upside down world here, <clears throat> you know? So, it, you know, and that point coming from a Republican and coming from one of the most conservative Republicans imaginable was i i think extremely powerful but yeah, yeah. Look, you know you know talking to your point bob about you, you can't imagine people uh seeing this and not um you know not being taken by it, not being struck by it or not being swayed by it mm -hmm. well this is exactly what fox news was doing right they had they did a whole counter programming programming event last night uh, where they basically decided to to um, do their best to undermine it, to say that it was all lies and it was all bullshit uh, when they hadn't, when, when they weren't even watching it. So yeah. it was a bit, you know, <laughs> it was kind of a, a strange, a very surreal event to watch. You know, Tucker Carlson saying like it's all a load of lies and a load of nonsense when he's he's not even watching the the hearing at all. Yeah, right. Well, so, the what we see on Fox News primetime and th throughout the day, for that matter, is just confirmation bias. We're just going to feed our viewers exactly what they want to hear. It doesn't matter if there's any substance or evidence to it. it. doesn't matter if we're actually seeing the thing that we're criticizing, <laughs> as long as we're giving them exactly what they want to hear, uh, helping them to stick their heads in the sand and not pay attention to what's going on with the integrity of their constitution and the integrity of democracy uh th that's what they're going to do that's uh, that's where their ratings are entirely coming from people de de demanding craving thirsting for uh confirmation bias and they don't they don't care if it's it lacks substance they don't care if it's uh, unfounded it just they want to hear it they want to hear it they want they want their blankie they want their whoopee and so that's it so yeah i'm gonna play here's a clip of tucker carlson i'm gonna this is what he was doing last night here we go you know, it tells you a lot about the priorities of our ruling class that the rest of us are getting yet another lecture about January 6th tonight from our moral inferiors, no less. 
An outbreak of mob violence, a forgettably minor outbreak by recent standards that took place more than a year and a half ago, but they've never stopped talking about it. In the meantime, in the 18 months since January 6th, gas prices have doubled. Drug ODs have reached their highest point ever. The U.S. economy is now careening toward a devastating recession at best. And scariest and least noted of all, this country has never in its history been closer to a nuclear war. Yet the other networks cannot be bothered to cover any of that tonight. Instead, they've interrupted their regularly scheduled programming to bring you yet another extended primetime harangue from Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney about Donald Trump and QAnon. The whole thing is insulting. In fact, it's deranged, and we're not playing along. This is the only hour on an American news channel that will not be carrying their propaganda live. They are lying, and we are not going to help them do it. So... That was uh, that was dear Tucker Carlson. Hmm. It's as if the news isn't talking about all of the other stuff going on about the about Russia. They, there's been no coverage of Ukraine. There's been no coverage of gas prices. There's been no coverage of the economy. I mean, what the fuck is he talking about? First of all, like he's just lying straight straight up lying. Second of all, this was a an organized violent coup, right? It, it's one of the most astonishing episodes in American history, right? The fact that a sitting president tried to overthrow uh, a democratic free and fair election and then incited a riot, right? This is, if this is not big news, if this is not, a, if this is not important in, in, to, to Americans, then the democracy doesn't mean anything. The rule mm -hmm. of law doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. And that's what the entire country is founded on, right? It's a nation of laws. So <clears throat> this was the, the sort of, you know, one of it struck at the very heart of American democracy, this episode, this this uh, on January 6th. And for Tucker Carlson to pretend that it's a nothing burger uh, and that it's uh, disgusting and, and offensive and all this kind of stuff. This guy is I mean, he's just a I don't even know. He's just a performer. I don't know what you would even call him now, but a dangerous one. I, I, I would call him um, a, a traitor to his country. Like at a, at a minimum, easily a traitor. Yeah, but I he, mean, I, I was just going to say on, he's me... a he's a he's a careerist. Uh, Tucker Carlson has had so many failed TV shows. He's been on every single cable news network and failed on those networks. Gets to Fox News Channel and realizes that if he just sells out his values and yes tucker carlson is a conservative i don't know that at his core he's a donald trump conservative i mean there was very little indication of that in the past but the fact is that he figured out that if he you know relentlessly uh, fellates his audience they will <laughs> love him for it so He's going to well, keep there's doing a that. Well, there's a visual I can't get out of my yeah. head now. Thank you. <laughs> Optimal tip to tip. Uh, what what is the what is the thing from Silicon Valley? Optimal tip to tip something something. He yeah, he's jerking off his audience. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. I, just I want to read because it, it's not just Tucker Carlson. I mean, he's got a he's got an entire network doing this with him. I want to read something from the uh, Washington Post about this. Uh, for much of the show, the hearing was shown on screen as Carlson and his uh, guests spoke over it. Often, now this is the important part, often the view is not of the committee members, witnesses, or the video display at the front of the hearing room. Instead, it was often a shot of the audience. One NBC News producer went back after the fact and synced Carlson's show with what was being shown in the hearing room. During footage showing rioters breaking into the Capitol, 
Fox switched to the camera showing the audience. When the hearing showed information that didn't need sound, like graphics and whatnot, Fox more than once uh, more than once cut away from it. I mean, this is just straight up uh, propaganda shit. Oh, of course, they were doing. Is. They were making sure their audience did not see anything that would like expose them to reality. Well, the the upside is is that even if they saw it, it would not move them at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's something that was designed for people who are still somewhat open minded to what happened. Uh, I'm not saying entirely open minded, maybe skeptical in many cases, but this was, I think, for the folks who, uh, once again, aren't engaged in the political debate on a regular basis, and and not following all of the news from the insurrection forward. So uh, in that way, I I really hope. And, you know, there was a kind of a meme going around the cable news networks last night that, oh, I don't think anyone's going to watch this. (laughs) It was just like this ongoing thing. Ah, no one saw this. I don't know if that's true. I think we're going to see the ratings for last night and it's going to be significant. And uh, whether this changes minds for November, that's a whole other story. I think it should. I think it has to because American voters are just about to elect more Republicans who will be in charge if they win majorities in Congress, will be in charge during the 2024 election. So whatever backstopping, yeah, whatever backstopping for another coup attempt, another insurrection, another terrorist attack against the uh, U.S. Capitol will be uh, allowed to happen by a Republican Congress. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, uh, you know, I but I, I think it could it couldn't have been it couldn't have gone better in terms of the way that the whole hearing went and the, the presentation and uh, as an opener. I think if you wanted to make an impact, they did a fantastic job of, of you know, doing absolutely everything they, they, they can to really sort of um, highlight just how dangerous this was and just how close it came to, you know, people could have been killed in Congress. Like, that's fucking scary. Like, that's really scary. Uh, yeah. You know, the heart of American democracy and there were politicians um you know, who could have been killed. And and that should wake some people up, I hope. Um, but uh, I was monitoring Twitter uh, last night as well while I was watching this. And I was very curious to see what uh, Matt Tybee, our good friend Matt Tybee and Glenn Greenwald had to say. You blunt <laughs> for punishment about, about <laughs> I know. this. I was wondering, I was like, okay, I wonder if they, are they going to say anything about this? Are they, is there uh do they have a hot take on, 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 on this? Um, and uh, so, um, can you guess what they what they what their reaction was? Uh, no, I'm sure if, if if they were ranting at all, it was probably like, "Oh my god, this is all garbage." Listen to uh, Tucker Carlson; he knows what he's talking about. Well, uh, Tybee, I'm sorry, not Tybee. Um, Greenwald might say that Tybee's not quite as uh, enamored of Tucker Carlson yet. Well, he did a big fawning interview with Tucker Carlson um, last year. I, which uh, I think has wrecked his credibility yet again. But uh, yeah, so uh, Glenn Greenwald had uh, nothing to say about it. And then uh, if we look on Matt Tybee's Twitter page, uh, the last time he tweeted was, uh, yep, yeah, uh, before the, um, it was, was hours before the hearing and he's tweeted nothing. Absolute, absolutely nothing. Wow. 
so uh, well, you, you got to forgive them. They're waiting for their talking points, and it does take time to translate it from Russian. True. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but it's kind of astonishing that these are these are supposedly serious journalists, right? That are they they are um, apparently. You know, they haven't changed. We have. All the liberals have changed, but they've stayed the same. Matt Tybee is always saying, like, I've stayed the same. It's just everybody else who's changed, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm a classic liberal. I, you know, I'm, 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 I have the same opinions I did 10 years ago or the same stance on politics I had 10 years ago. And yet he has absolutely nothing to say about this whatsoever, mm-hmm. I, which I, I just find it kind of remarkable. Uh, Michael Tracy, our other good uh, buddy, Michael Tracy, was actually on Tucker Carlson um, last night. I haven't had the stomach to watch that yet. Boy, but. it's so weird how many of these, you know, progressives end up on the white power hour. It's just strange how it often really, that keeps happening. It, it really is. Uh, so anyhow, we have moving on to our both sides segment. Uh, I have a, uh, you'll be surprised that my choice today is Glenn Greenwald, but for different reasons, <laughs> um, but our both sides, uh, where we illustrate just how far Republicans and Democrats are from each other. And that both sides are indeed not the same. We are going to highlight Republican insanity in this segment. Uh, Justin, who you've got a good one for us today. Who what's what's your pick? Oh, it's another pastor. I, I, I love these guys. You because, love these yeah. guys. You really I do love, love these, these guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a Christian nationalist, which yeah, I have a whole bunch of articles coming about that <laughs> at some point in the near future. Um, and he's, a South, he's in South Carolina, and he was very, very upset about you know the, the, the homosexuals. And he wants to reinstate the House Un-American Activities Committee from the McCarthy era so they can start executing people for treason including people who teach students about the existence of gay people because that's treason and they should be killed. That's his, that's part of his like official, you know, that's how I'm running for offices. That's what I want to do when I get into office is just start arresting people who are gay and talk about gay people and kill them. (laughs) So yeah, there's nothing like, I mean, no matter they say there's stuff like that on the other side, but every Republican accusation is a confession, and they're just being really open about what they want to do. Good There's lord, nothing like that on the left. Good lord, no, definitely not. Um, well, my pick today is uh, Glenn Greenwald. I know I sometimes talk of Glenn Greenwald as a liberal, but he's not. He's a far right activist. So the, he, this is my. Um, he, so Glenn Greenwald was on. Uh, this is obviously when he was tweeting, um, not during the the hearings on uh, January six, of course. But this is. Uh, this comes from, uh, this was on June the 8th. So there was uh, someone who tried to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh, uh, which is obviously you know, not good. That's, that's terrible. But Glenn Greenwald has been busy on Twitter trying to blame liberal talk show hosts for, oh, yeah. for, for some really? fucking lunatic try, trying to shoot Brett Kavanaugh. Right. So he's saying using prior very recent standards, anyone in media or politics who express political views similar to the ones in whose name the attacker acted can be credibly accused of inciting this violence. For some reason, this standard isn't being applied this time. Anyone know why? It reminds me of that time when a fanatical follower of Rachel Maddow tried to kill a bunch of GOP members of Congress at a softball field based on his belief that they were Russian assets and traitors. 
There too, this blame standard wasn't invoked. It's confounding, right? Wow. Sarcastic emoji. So now you've got, so look, right, and we're going to talk about the difference between um, liberal talk show hosts and conservative talk show hosts in America. And look, I don't really watch cable news. I'm not a fan, right? I think the whole, like, I, I genuinely, I would like the news networks to be news networks. I'd like CNN to do proper reporting. Right, I don't want to. I don't want Chris Cuomo or any of these other people um, injecting their opinions and their bravado into into the news. Right, I think mm. it's 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 bad. I think it's the Fox News effect. I think Fox News perfected this kind of personality, um, political reporting style, and the and and uh, these other networks have kind of jumped in on this. And they, I'm not saying it's a mirror of Fox News, but that the, the, there are some there are similarities. I think are not helpful. Um, that being said, that being said, that when you have somebody like Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram spouting genuinely racist, like white nationalist talking points, right? When they're talking about great replacement theory, about dirty immigrants, uh, about the fact that, you know, the country's being stolen from them, um, that January 6th was nothing to, you know, nothing to write home about, that white nationalism and white terrorism is not a big problem in America. Uh, constantly constantly fear-mongering like transphobia um you name it um the the rhetoric coming from the right is extremely dangerous and and uh, infused with with a sort of uh, uh violence right and so glenn greenwald is now trying to say that this is an equivalent right so rachel maddow who covered russiagate um you know in my opinion she did a actually reasonably good job about trying to follow the, the the very complex threads in the in in Russiagate, right? She did what most good journalists should do, which is you know look at the topic and and try to see where the evidence takes you. Uh, you, you know, so Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi have spent a lot of their career, uh, a lot in the recent years, trying to debunk all that stuff, not successfully, in my opinion, at all. Um. But yet you to try and draw some equivalent to say that Rachel Maddow or Joy Reid, like Glenn Greenwell was trying to say that Joy Reid is responsible for, for this guy um, attacking, uh, trying to, to, to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Are, are you seriously trying to equate Joy Reid with Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram? I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. So this is another example of like, you know, Glenn Greenwell doing this false equivalency that like both sides are just as bad. Uh, when they're clearly not, they're clearly not just as bad. And uh, and for you know, I don't notice Glenn Greenwald saying a goddamn thing about uh, whenever there's kind of white nationalist violence. Does he say anything about Tucker Carlson? He doesn't say he doesn't say anything. No, he gets offended when you say something about Tucker Carlson because yeah, exactly. that's his bread and butter. So he wants to defend it at all times. Mm-hmm. Exactly because he yep. has because he, he goes on Tucker Carlson's show. That's well, and that's the thing. Before. Like when everyone's guilty. Well, then no one's guilty. If everyone's yeah. at fault, then no one's at fault. So as long as you can say, well, see, the left is just as bad, then it doesn't matter what the right does because yeah. the left did it too. So therefore, you can ignore it. And it doesn't matter if it's completely unequivalent. They could just lie about it. Right. And they never have to hold themselves responsible. Right. So anyway, there's, that's my both sides just as bad. Uh, Bob, do, who, who do you have for us this week? 
the Republican Party. Uh, I'm going with a broad net on this one. They, uh, there's been a memo that's been leaked in terms of strategizing uh, the reaction to Uvalde and the uh, most recent push to, oh my God, to yes. pass more uh, gun control legislation. And uh, this memo basically it's one of the most cynical things I've ever seen. In, in American politics, it basically defines uh, Americans as short attention span morons who are, you know, fascinated by shiny objects and puffy dog tails. And that's what we're going to chase after eventually. So what this memo says is essentially stay cool, run out the clock, but don't worry, this moment will be over soon. So this is a, this is mainly a message to uh, ten Republican senators who uh, will probably vote to filibuster, <laughs> or, or all the Republican senators for that matter, who will filibuster whatever legislation comes out of this deal. Uh, maybe they'll get one or two on board for whatever the deal is in the Senate uh, on new legislation, but there's not going to be enough. Um, and when this legislation finally drops it'll be after people i mean i'm talking about those of us who follow politics but generally speaking it'll be after those people stop paying attention so they'll have the cover of ignorance they'll have the cover of distraction to be able to filibuster whatever deal comes out of uh, the senate so that's it and and they've got a memo basically outlining this entire thing just hang on don't worry just like every other time there's been a mass shooting and calls for gun control in the wake of it it's dissipated after a while we can kind of go back and come up with a certain number probably maybe what maybe it's 10 days maybe it's two weeks maybe it's five days whatever that number happens to be on day six that's when we're going to be safe to continue doing exactly what we're doing, cashing our gun lobby checks and so on. And, uh, and that's certainly going to be the case this time around. And, and I swear to God, I, I like, I had several conversations cause I happily get into with people online all the time <laughs> and they kept throwing this Chicago thing at me. And I'm like, why the fuck do they keep talking about Chicago? Why is it specifically Chicago? And in that memo, in the memo that you're talking about was a thing about bring up Chicago, bring up gun violence in Chicago. It's like, oh, my fucking God. They, it's like it percolates down to all of them. They all use the same talking points. And now I just link to the articles like you're a fucking puppet. Don't talk to me anymore. You're just you're just spouting what you were told to say. Shut up. Be yeah. Quiet. Can, can we talk about that too? talk about Chicago for a second? Chicago is not like the murder capital of the nation. You know what you know what city is? St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, number two Ooh. is Baltimore, Maryland. Number three, Birmingham, Alabama. Number four, uh, Detroit. Number five, Dayton, Ohio. Number six, Baton Rouge. Number seven, New Orleans. Number eight, Kansas City. Have we gotten to Chicago yet? No. Uh, number nine, Memphis, Tennessee. Number 10, Cleveland, Ohio. Number 11, Richmond, Virginia. Number 12, Miami Gardens, Florida. Number 13, Washington, D.C. Number 14, North Charleston, South Carolina. Number 15, Peoria, Illinois. I don't see Chicago anywhere on this goddamn list. I'm going to go on and see if there's Chicago's anywhere on here. I'm trying to find it. Did I already read Chicago and not notice? (laughs) I don't think so. There it is. Chicago. You know what Chicago is? Chicago's number 28 on this list from CBS News, uh, uh, America's Deadliest U.S. Cities. 
Chicago is number 28. Go fuck yourself, Republicans, with this Chicago bullshit. You know what they're saying when they're saying Chicago? They're saying black people. Yeah. And they're saying Obama and they're saying black people. Yeah, Obama, black people, black people, black, black, black. That's what he, if they combine Chicago and the word woke, it's straight up N word. That's what that is. It's just all like dog whistle for their racist base. That's what, that's all it is. The entire Chicago attack has no basis in reality. Yeah, there are. Are, there's crime in Chicago, but not to the degree as we see in other cities, obviously. So yet another myth from the Republicans. So look, this brings us to, we're going to go into the members section now. Uh, we are going to be talking about um, American democracy, about how close are we to the end of American democracy. It's a very cheery topic, but it's highly relevant given what we've just been talking about and about the the behavior of the Republican Party. Uh, So to all of our listeners, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate it. It's good to be back. Um, If you'd like to join us in the members section, please come over. You can get a two-month free trial so you can listen to everything for free. You can also get access to all of our premium articles and our locked archive and also our letters to the editor feature, which will be back now that I'm up and running. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see you there. And, uh, guys, thank you very much. Thanks Got so it. much, Ben.